right, friends, we are back. Your favorite podcast show of the week. It is Location Weekly. It's episode number 559, and we are recording on March the 8th. Uh, Brianna, how are you? I am doing good. We had a little bit of a, a fake warm couple of days. We're back to the chilly and sunny cold today, but um, yeah, I'm, I'm doing good. Everybody's happy and healthy. Kids are back in school and uh, my, my oldest was out last week. She had to quarantine from international travel, which was a lot of fun. Everybody's back, no masks or optional masks, I should say. Um, so yeah, like feeling very, what, 2018, 2019 right now. <laughs> How about you? Yeah, similar. I mean, Toronto's kind of like getting there now, like the province dropped the vaccine passport, you know, a week and a half ago. So we don't have that anymore. Masks are still required um, when you're not eating and drinking and so on. Um, but, you know, most people, it, it's pretty lax on that at the moment, I, I would say, like if you're going out anywhere. Um, so yeah, it is kind of getting back to normal. Like I, and the, I think the biggest change here is the downtown core, like the financial district, uh, that's been a ghost town, like those big towers. Uh, it seems like the banks and so on, you know, are bringing their employees back and shifts and so on little by little. So I think life is slowly creeping back to, to where it was. We'll see, we'll see. But obviously the big thing for us this week here, and I'm sure you're seeing there, is you know um inflation and gas prices and craziness you know kind of falling out from the war that's going on in uh, the ukraine right now and uh yeah like our our fuel prices have risen about 25 cents in the last week per liter here so yep. yeah mars are definitely going up but i just keep reminding myself um one, like I'm not going to complain about gas prices because I am safe. My family's safe. We're together and uh, we're not living in constant fear right now. And, yeah. um, and so I will just not complain about that and just count, you know, count my blessings for sure. Um, but yes, it's, it's a very like, it just, you know, it's like, it's surreal that this is happening in our lifetime right now. And, you know, we heard, stories from grandparents and great grandparents perhaps who like served in different forces and and battles and wars but this is very um yeah it's just like this is happening and and to people that we know you know like that that yeah companies that we know of that are you know based in the ukraine or people who have worked or lived there come from there so it's just like a it's a very yeah, crazy. it's just a tough thing to watch right and it's like something that you know there wasn't really a conflict right that provoked this like it was you know sort of one-sided and that all these people are suffering and you know i think it's like 1.5 million people have already like left and migrated out and that's that's huge like right i mean it's like five percent of the population or something um yeah and to not necessarily countries that are super well established in a way that is ready to take on um right you know, a lot of people, I actually lived in neighboring Romania for a year between high school and college and served with a nonprofit there. So, you know, I can't imagine all of these refugees coming in there because, you know, I'm sure things have changed a lot in the many years that have passed, but it was not, um, you know, a wealthy nation by any means. It was just, you know, people were barely scraping by 
um, every month. And so just being able to take on more and more, um, you know, those neighboring countries, it's like, there's, a, there's definitely a lot of efforts I'm hearing about here. You can, you know, um, I encourage you guys to all give, donate where you feel led to do so, but yeah. Yeah. Anyhow, well, we'll keep, uh, you know, praying and, and hoping for, for the best situation there possible. So, alrighty, let's turn on to our show then. So we have four stories as usual for this week and a little bonus at the end uh, that we'll cover off. Um, but I'll let Aubriana start us. All right. So we had spoken about Precisely in their acquisition of Place IQ just a couple of weeks ago, and now they have launched um, another new solution, and it's a well, a new addition to a solution suite or product family, and it's called Property Graph. So this is being added into their Precisely Addresses product family, and basically it's helping with efficiency to see relationships between data, um, you know, related to different areas. So when you think about you know, a large building, perhaps you've got like the parcel, which is kind of that piece of land that the building sits on. Um, and then you've got the actual, you know, structure of the building that's there, perhaps. And then you've got maybe you've got residence or office space or retail. Um, so there can be lots of different areas that are within a building within a parcel. Um, so this is kind of helping and different points of interest. And this is helping all of those things um, correlate, identify together. And, you know, organizations are spending a lot of time and money and effort trying to identify this, these relationships, um, you know, these, how property relates to one another, how they identify certain things as maybe residential or commercial or both or mixed use. Um, so, you know, some of the applications they talked about here were like telecom, real estate, insurance, um, et cetera. So, different areas that could be able to use this data, correlate it, have a better understanding. I know in, um, in my past role at Digital Envoy, we were looking a lot at the parcel data and having a better understanding of boundaries and what happens within those areas, specifically like more points of interest and in public areas where people go, like audiences, like behavior in terms of, you know, how much time people spend in different areas and having a better understanding of that context and data could be really crucial. And you think of um, like real estate specifically, having an understanding of foot traffic might determine where you want to place, um, you know, your next coffee shop or the Chick-fil-A or whatever. You know, there's a lot of research that goes into that type of planning. Um, so I think this is a very useful tool. It's, you know, precisely has such a large suite of products and, and we've seen them, you know, iterate and turn time and time again. But um, still, I think they're pretty true to what their core mission is, which is all about like location and data and context and continuing to provide that in new and insightful ways. So, um, you know, helping with that visualization, I think just as a, as a natural progression. So yeah, I'm not like blown away by this, but I'm sure that their clients and, um, you know, those who are consuming their products and visualization tools, um, that they'll, they'll be appreciative of, of having this like correlation and uh, visualization tool at their fingertips. Yeah, not not a lot to add to that either. I, I think it's you know it's 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 a strong offering, obviously, for you know an existing large client base that you know precisely has, and obviously supported you know by the acquisition that we talked about some weeks ago. You know, I, I do like the idea of you know at least from a branding perspective, you know, property graph. You know, we talk about other graphs uh, within marketing and advertising. 
uh, in the agency world. Um, so I think, you know, um, from a branding perspective, I, I like it. Um, yeah. And I, I think, you know, kind of bringing a tool set together with, you know, visualization and understanding relationships between data points, uh, points of entrance and, and attributes of a property, um, you know, makes sense. Right. And I think on the one hand, historically, we've had, you know, a lot of players in the, you know, the geospace that are really focused on property and attribute uh, and a bunch of other players that have, you know, focused more on kind of the, the movements between the POIs and things like that. So I think if you can unite those two things together and kind of bring a comprehensive set of tools around it, I think it, it makes a lot of sense. And as, as you pointed out, there's, there's a large pre-existing client base that I think will benefit from this, especially real estate, public sector type of, uh, of client. So yeah, good stuff. All right, second story, uh, moving over to Germany now. Uh, two companies over there have teamed up uh, to uh, bring uh, a new offering to the European market. Uh, those companies are PlaceSense, which is one word, and Senozon, uh, which is S-E-N-O-Z-O-N, if you're trying to spell that and you're listening here. Um, so they're going after real estate market, retail, out of home, um, and focusing on Germany, Austria, and Switzerland. Um, and um, yeah, so, so essentially they're combining sort of accurate GPS data, uh, which is coming from the PlaySense side of things with Senozon's uh, mobility models. Uh, which includes, you know, everything from uh, anonymized uh, cellular uh, phone network data to mobile SDK data and uh, transportation data um, and others. And then kind of bringing this together into a united suite of tools um, that's focused on targeting multi-location uh, businesses. So, you know, uh, restaurant chains, retail chains, you know, real estate companies that have, you know, more than one property. Um, you know, so again, nothing crazy innovative here. You know, we see these types of partnerships all over the world, you know, within the member base and, and outside, um, where you have one strong player in, you know, sort of a certain type of data and another here, you know, on the mobile side coming together, not unlike, you know, in some ways, maybe at a smaller scale, you know, what we just talked about, like, you know, now in the case of precisely, they did it with acquisition of place IQ, but, um, you know, kind of bringing those two types of data sets together uh, into, you know, one platform, I think makes sense. And I think especially now, you know, as we're, we were talking about at the top of the show about sort of things starting to open up and kind of COVID seems to be, you know, behind us for now. Um, you know, the economy is trying to rebound, people are looking for data and insights to kind of fuel and drive, you know, where to make investments. I think this, these types of things make a lot of sense. Um, and uh, both companies have some pretty large existing clients as well. Uh, Senazon has clients like Neo Advertising, Top Farm, and BVG. Uh, and PlaySense has, uh, you know, clients like Cushman Wakefield, big real estate, uh, commercial real estate company, Nielsen and Lytle, uh, the retailer. So, um, you know, I think the, you know, bringing the two together and the combined portfolio, you know, there's probably some interesting economies of scale there, um, you know, from a, from a combined offering. Yeah, I don't have a whole lot to add in terms of like the logistics of this, um, but I think what we're seeing here is a trend a little bit where we're seeing less of the location data being used maybe in the marketing and advertising sector and more of it being used 
in a less perhaps uh, what might be considered a less in intrusive area where you're thinking about like the real estate planning, um, footfall traffic, you know, in terms of like um, city planning and, and things of that nature. So I don't know if it's just the shift that that, you know, more and more there's uh, there's less interest in investing in some of this data and these platforms from an advertising perspective um, because of the sensitivity, because there's constantly uh, privacy implications, legal implications, you know, just it's like one story and a fear after the next, you know, because that's what sells. Um, not because it's always true, but I think that that, you know, it's just like something to pay attention to as we continue to, to talk about these things that are happening. Yeah. And then last comment, like, you know, obviously they're targeting Germany, Austria and Switzerland, you know, the, you know, the German speaking markets in Germany in particular, are obviously amongst the strictest when it comes to privacy and, you know, things like GDPR. Um, so, you, you know, if they've got a platform that's proven working, you know, compliant there and they're bringing it together, um, I think it's only, it only makes for a stronger offering and, you know, uh, better grasp of, of the market share uh, from that perspective. So, yeah. Well, let's shift gears a little bit, actually, like a lot um, from maybe physical uh, real estate and data to maybe virtual. Um, so, going to Gucci, Gucci has announced, um, they announced this on their Discord server that they have purchased an undisclosed amount of land on the sandbox. Um, so if you're not familiar with what the sandbox is, it's a digital platform. It allows people to, um, people, organizations, brands um, to buy and develop this virtual real estate. So Gucci is planning on creating this interactive fashion experience um, within, it's part of kind of like their Gucci vault. Uh, which is like their umbrella term that they're using for their metaverse related projects. So, you know, we have seen over time, um, well, you know, there's been a handful of brands, I think that we've seen that are couture, very like high fashion houses that have been getting into more of like the digital space, whether that's just through um, more experiential, um, you know, I, experiential things that are happening inside their store with QR codes, but also here now with this virtual world, um, so they are using, they're also using that, um, the Gucci vault umbrella and the metaverse related projects to sell some of their vintage pieces. So they have like um, a collection with some other, there's also other emerging designers that are doing the same, but this virtual world is going to really be inspired by their creative director, Alessandro Michelle. Um, and that's going to be inspired by childhood memories of the search for beauty. So very, you know, interesting sounds very ethereal it's also going to have this like interactive maze um, a space to host conversations about fashion and the metaverse um, and they also you know are just doing a bunch of different things so they did this with the creative agency al dente which i guess has worked with a lot of luxury brands um, in setting up kind of these sandbox virtual real estate places but you know, we again, like Gucci's been an early adopter. We've seen them get involved in the digital fashion space, the NFTs. Um, and I'm very intrigued with all of this. I think this is super interesting. Um, they just did a partnership with Super Plastic that released a collection of 500 NFTs called Super Gucci. Um, so there was like a three part drop. So it came with these like physical ceramic sculptures and they were each priced at one and a half Ethereum, which is approximately just a little less than 4K um, US dollars. So, you know, it's just like there's 
all of this, you know, stuff that's happening, that's this really interesting blend of digital and physical, whether that's fashion and NFTs or sports and, you know, this digital real estate. Um, I'm sure we'll talk about it more in the future, but we just saw an announcement with the Braves getting into the metaverse, you know, um, as the first major league baseball team. So there's a lot that's happening and it's very interesting to think of something that has always been tangible, such as fashion and and clothing being blended in this very, you know, um, metaverse space that is not tangible necessarily, but just kind of blending those two together. And I think Gucci's a really, uh, you know, they're a leader in the space. I'm very, very interested. Like, I want to know who else is there that's doing that because I love the idea of that art and science blend together. Um, so, you know, my question always comes back to how does this maybe lend to more business and, and more growth? But I think it's really more about brand recognition and being able to have that experience with a brand in different types of environments. So, you know, for some, it may be a very, a very straightforward thing, such as like I walk into the Gucci store or I go to the baseball game or I watch it on television, right? But now they're reaching that younger generation. They are blending things together where they're bringing in something that, you know, has been a very traditional experience into this very untraditional world. Um, so I, I just, I love it. Like, I want to see where all of this goes. I want to explore more, um, more on it. Um, but I think it's like super, it, it's intriguing, but it's also a great opportunity for businesses to think beyond the way that they've done things for so long. Yeah, I, I, I think it's it's really fascinating to watch, you know, how quickly this this metaverse, you know, movement is is happening, right? And I think, um, you know, you on the one hand, you have, you know, sort of the operators like Sandbox and and others that are setting up, you know, real estate and selling, you know, virtual property and things like that, um, and then you have the brands that are starting to engage and you know try to find their way into that environment. Um, and it's not cheap, right? I mean, like there's there's a guy here in Toronto. Um, there was a story in the in the the local Toronto newspaper a few weeks ago, who you know is it has a pretty extensive like physical real estate portfolio. Owns many houses and apartment buildings and whatever, and he sold a property here in Toronto for like two two and a half million dollars, like in real cash, so that he could buy a two and a half million dollar property in the metaverse. Right. Like, I mean, to me, that's a lot of money. Right. Um, but people are dropping mega dollars, right, to buy property in this in, in this virtual world. And I think it'll be interesting to see kind of, you know, what the, um, you know, what the brand like to your point, I think right now it's brand engagement. Right. Um, it's it's exposure. It's branding. It's, you know, can we create virtual goods in there that we can sell? um that people are going to buy and what does that look like um and what are you know what's the currency you know gonna gonna uh operate as and and all those kinds of things right and then but i also think like um you know there, there's there's you know in one way like brands like gucci make a ton of sense to me because you have early early days before the metaverse let's say you have you know uh you know, you be, you used to be able to go into like a, you know, Gucci store or, a, you know, Tommy Hilfiger store or whatever. And they would have like, you know, the fashion show 
for this year, the Paris, you know, runway show, you know, come, come into this little store and put on these, these, you know, glasses that, you know, they have one pair and you can watch it virtually. Right. And that was kind of like early days of, you know, VR type of being transported to an experience. Right. But now it's like, we're talking about this as mainstream or we're talking about this sort of existing, um, all the time 24 7 and you can go there whenever you want it's not something that's an event anymore not that there won't be events in, in this environment but i think it's it, it's about you know how do we create a you know a community around this and i and the more i think about it i'm like you know when will it be that if the, you know and I, I don't i don't think this is going anywhere i think it's just going to grow and grow and grow at this point now this isn't like a flash in the pan and it's done um so you know when will it be that you know uh, like some baby's going to be born and the only thing that they will know is the metaverse. Like they won't know anything about <laughs> the real world anymore. I don't know, but I mean, that could be, that could be possible. We'll see. I certainly, I'm not part of the metaverse generation. It is the matrix, right? I mean, like, yeah, it's here. So anyhow, um, all right, final story now. Uh, so jumping back to Germany now, um, and we have two companies teaming up there again, this time to streamline airport check-ins. Uh, so these companies are called Qmetrics, which is one word with a letter Q, and uh, Via Guide or Via Guide, depending on how you want to pronounce that. Um, Qmetrics is Austrian, Via Guide is from Germany. And uh, so what they've done is, is they've teamed up to kind of, you know, solve a problem that, you know, travelers deal with all the time, which is huge queues at, you know, check-ins and security lineups at airports and all of that. And obviously we've talked about other solutions in the past on this show uh, that have addressed this, you know, with digital signage and beacons and other kinds of things. And so they're mashing up, you know, machine learning AI software with sensors as well. But what's a little bit different about this and kind of unique about it is um, they've integrated that into the turnstile queue management system. So if you've ever been to one of these airports and you've gone through the check-ins, you know they have, you know, those those little, you know, uh, turnstile things with the, you know, the ropes that go between them that you kind of, you know, you can section off and then direct the traffic down this way and then come back this way and that way and so on, right? We've all done that. But how many times have you been to the airport where the line is short and you still have to go like this, you know, with your luggage through the line um, because they haven't adjusted the, uh, you know, the setup of the, uh, the ropes and so on. Um, and so what they're doing here is, is that system is all digital and based on real time data and AI um, that they're mashing up here, the, the systems and the, the, uh, the queue management system the, and the lane management, if you will, uh, automatically uh, you know, moves the belts and the floor posts and so on to adjust for whatever the, the current uh, you know, backlog or lack of, uh, of traffic there is. So I like that because I think, you know, if it's one thing to say, okay, hey, you know, this line is shorter, but if you still have to go and like wield your suitcase through, you know, you know, a hundred meters worth of, you know, floor space when you could just go straight, um, you know, like every little bit saves, especially when you're, you know, if you're late and you're running to catch that flight and trying to, you know, hit that gate and get through security, it, it all helps, right? So I, I, I think this is kind of interesting. And, and so I, I like that they've kind of tied their, their tech directly into feeding these smart barriers and this queuing system and it swings open and closes the, 
the gates and directs the traffic accordingly um, and can reconfigure itself. So um, I think it's, it's really interesting. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think that it's like so simple. It's such a simple problem to solve, but what a creative way of doing it um, that doesn't require, like you said, waiting for somebody to come and like move all of those uh, lines and those like little zip cords that they have to do and, and reattach, but just having something that's like automated and sense, sensor driven um, is it's like such a I don't know. It's, I, I'm curious, like, how did you, how did you think of this? Like you were just standing in line in the airport one day, like, oh, I'm tired of going through all these zigzags and there's nobody in front of me. I should just be able to walk straight up. Oh, I could solve that problem. Um, but it's like such a simple thing. And I, and I love that it, it is helpful, right? People, you know, people will appreciate this every time you go to the airport or you're in one of those long lines, whether it's waiting for a concert or something like that, it makes a lot of sense. So um, it's good to just see like simple solves for real world problems um first world problems i should say uh like a waiting <laughs> in a line yeah good stuff like I, you know I, I, i'm with you like it, simpl the simplest problems are the best sometimes right like it's just you know there, there's an inefficiency there and we found a way to kind of just take technology that we have and make it a little bit better and make people's lives easier and i always say like you know like if you're building something you know it either has to save me time or it has to save me money right and this is you know this might be both in some ways right um so i like it for sure all right uh, so that's our four stories. I did want to throw in just a quick little uh, mention here at the end uh, about uh, good friends of ours and longtime LBMA members. Uh, so Gimbal, uh, who we've talked about a lot, big location uh, technology company who, uh, you know, acquired and merged with Truex uh, back in, uh, in 2020, uh, has announced this week that they're rebranding the merged company as a new, a, a new entity known as Infilion. Uh, that's I-N-F-I-L-L-I-O-N. Um, and they say this is an acknowledgement of the infinite possibilities available to agencies and brands uh, that the company serves. So, you know, to me, this is, um, you, you know, you know, we'll, we'll have to talk to Matt and some of the people that we know over there, Ariana, to kind of get more insights on this. But my guess is, is that, you know, you have two fairly large, you know, uh, well-established companies here in Gimbal and Truex with, you know, big client bases, a lot of brands, a lot of agencies, thousands of, of, of brands, in fact, uh, that they've been working with for a number of years. Um, and, you know, sort of, you know, if, if you're a Truex customer, you know Truex. If you're a Gimbal customer, you know Gimbal. And I think it, it's, it's you know, perhaps one of those things where, you know, they needed a new brand identity to kind of, you know, unite, you know, the portfolio of products together under under one banner and kind of go back out to their existing client bases and say, hey, we're, we're just in Philly. Like it's, let's not get confused. We're selling you Gimbal stuff or we're selling you Truex stuff, you know, you know, across cross pollinating there. But um, you know, I, I, I don't have a lot to say about it, but, you know, I, I, th I think it's, it's interesting because you have, um, two, like I said, two very well-established, very, you know, successful companies working together, growing very fast right now. Uh, they said, I was reading that they, um, they had 32% year over year growth in 2021. So, and that's in a, in the middle of, of COVID. So, um, you know, obviously doing many things right. For sure. Nothing much to add, but 
we will definitely catch up with Matt and friends and uh, hear how things are going. Yeah. All right. So that's our show for this week. You've been listening and watching episode number 559 of Location Weekly. Thank you so much for your time. Uh, please reach out if you have story ideas or feedback. We'd love to uh, connect with you and we'll see you next week for another show. Have a great week, everybody. Bye. Thank you.